Hey, hey, what's going on? Hope everyone had an amazing weekend. Welcome to episode 45 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. This week's OTC Player of the Week comes to us from the Edwardsburg Eddies out of Michigan as Caitlin Ty takes on the weekly honors. Caitlin went 12 for 16 with six home runs and 19 RBIs in just four games. Fantastic job, Caitlin. That's about four years worth of hitting stats for myself right there. Uh, Best of luck the rest of the season. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with Williams College East alum and current Canadian national team member, Joey Lai. Joey had an amazing four-year run at Williams College where she would set five all-time school records during her four seasons. Batting average, run scored, hits, total bases, and stolen bases. She would also play varsity hockey as well, patrolling the blue line as part of the East defense where she tallied 41 points in 100 games. Joey has also had international success with Team Canada as she has three WBSC bronze medals, two Pan Am Games silvers, and of course the epic 2015 Pan Am Games gold won on home soil in Toronto. We're going to talk to Joey about getting her start in the game, the decision to attend Williams College, jumping into the coaching ranks, as well as her time with Team Canada and their mission to bring back a gold medal from Tokyo in the upcoming Olympic Games. Joey was such a treat to chat with, and I know everyone's going to love this episode with one of the greats to ever wear the red and white. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I've got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. thanks for coming on the podcast no problem my pleasure thank you for having me how's things going down in sunny florida things are going really well it's been really nice obviously we had our camp up in richmond hill ontario in january um but just being able to be outside and being on a softball field again with our team has just been so so amazing so i i cannot complain no doubt i was was gonna say how how did like how what was it like to finally play a game again with with your team (laughs) (laughs) it it was crazy to think that it had been as long as it had i don't i mean it'd been probably 18 months at that point and just the the thought that it had been that long was so so much more crazy than how it felt because, you know, we'd seen each other in Halifax, uh, in February of 2020 and, you know, March hit and we parted ways and we thought we were going to see each other in 10 days. And then all of a sudden, Mm. honestly, it feels like the last year escaped into a vortex. Um, you know, we keep saying, Oh, last year, I mean, two (laughs) years ago. Um, yeah. So time really flew when when we were apart but it it really was amazing to come back together and and be be back on a field together yeah i imagine i like i talk about it all the time about you know the like the last year and it honestly feels like it's been <laughs> like forever like <laughs> like you say it was 2019 but like when you guys were in halifax 
was it? Yeah, it was 2019 into 2020. Yes, 2020 in Halifax. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. And like, I, I can remember following you guys and I was like, that feels like it was like three years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so much has happened since then. And then at the same time, it it almost feels like the last year doesn't exist. Yep, yep. Very true. Very true. So uh, how's the training going? Going good? Yeah, it's going well. We're having a lot of fun together. We're remembering on the daily that it's a marathon and not a sprint and being very conscious about how much we're exerting ourselves and understanding that, you know, attack today, but also let's not overdo it today because we have tomorrow. And so we've talked a lot about, you know, our mindset being today plus today plus today plus today and just being in the moment and taking advantage of each and every practice, each and every inner squad, each and every game we have together. Right on. I see you you guys got a pretty good setup down there in Florida. I like follow all you guys on social media, of course. And uh, it seems like uh, it's a it's a really good setup you have going on down there. We do. It has been amazing. The just the accommodation, the the people. So the there are two individuals that are at the field every single day with us, Ludi and Ted, and they bend over backwards for us and just make us feel so welcome at home. And uh, they're willing to do anything and everything for us to make this the best training situation possible. And to, to have four different fields, you know, right there in one complex to work with, we can set different things up on each field and and have everybody busy working on things and and have super productive practices. So it it has been a great setup for us. Oh, I, I see the uh, the gym setup. How like convenient is it that it's overlooking a rink? <laughs> I thought that was amazing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We feel right at home looking over there's a rink on both sides actually of the gym windows on both sides and so yeah that has been nice there's a little shooting room in just attached to the gym and so a couple days I've jumped in there and and taken some shots and it's just awesome it's been a yeah a really great setup and and the you know Miranda the owner of that gym has just been so awesome she puts motivational messages up on the TVs around the gym for, for every single day, you know, a new one each day that we're there. And it's just another situation where we feel so welcome and empowered. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, we'll jump into the Olympics here a little bit later. Um, we're going to start with a thing we call quick pitches on here. Uh, it's going to be a little, I'm going to throw some random questions to you and, uh, you answer them as best you can. <laughs> All right. Ready to go? go? All right. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? To fly. Favorite movie of all time? The Italian Job. Oh, good movie. Uh, biggest phobia? Ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to say heights. Heights, okay. Uh, do you have any pregame superstitions? I do not. Pretty go with the flow person, honestly. Okay. What's your go-to meal? Pancakes. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, did, I, I did not love... expect that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm a breakfast person through and through. I can eat breakfast for any meal of the day and every meal of the day. I actually had pancakes this morning to start my day. Add a little protein in there. Throw some bananas in there. Uh, top it with some peanut butter. I'm a happy camper. Okay. Well, 
<laughs> That's pretty cool. All right. <laughs> uh, where am I at here? Okay, there we are. Uh, game ending highlight real catch or walk off home run? Ooh, I I mean, the first thing that pops into my head is Kaylee Rafter's walk off home run uh, yes. for our, yes, qualifying game against Brazil on September 1st of 2019. It was just, you know, we were thinking about the fact that we would end that game on defense um, mm-hmm. or sorry, just, uh, you know, not having that kind of moment. You know, if, if we were on defense, we would be able to all run together in the center yep. of the circle. And so she provided that that walk off moment for us, which was really exciting. And what a moment it was too. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite NHL team. Toronto Maple Leafs. I knew that. I knew it had to be. <laughs> God, they made some good trades at the deadline. I will say that. Um, <laughs> there's hope. <laughs> there's, it seems there's always hope in Leafland. Uh, yes. Are tomatoes a fruit or a vegetable? Vegetable. Okay. Last one. If you could have a meal, drink, or hang out with one celebrity, who would that be? One celebrity. I would have to say Vicky Sonahara. Okay. Wow. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Just take, takes me back to my roots and kind of the first role model I had as a young athlete, I attended her hockey camps. And so just as an adult now to be able to sit down and chat with her about kind of the road, the road she paved for female athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that'd be super cool. And for those listeners who don't know, she was on the Canadian national team uh, for ice hockey. Yep. And in Canada, we just say hockey. <laughs> um, <laughs> clearly, I've been in the US for too long um, for for a, a number of years. And so, yeah, she, she would be there. I almost said Michael Jordan because I just finished watching The Last Dance. Wasn't that so good? So good. So inspiring. And just seeing the behind the scenes kind of mm. life that that he lived and how just his work ethic in general. Yeah. Um, you know, the stuff that you don't hear about in the newspapers, it was pretty inspiring. So that that was a close second. Yeah. My my favorite episode of that last dance was uh, the one Dennis Rodman episode. And yes, Rodman was saying about uh, or no, Michael was going on about, you know, they couldn't find him for like 48 hours because he left the team and (laughs) Michael goes to Vegas and finds him in a hotel room with Carmen Electra and says, come on, let's go. And, and Dennis walks out with the pajama bottoms on and they go to the gym and Rodman outruns the whole team. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was amazing. What, what a gamer just to, to show up and have the passion despite, you know, his different decisions off the field or off the court Mm -hmm. than, a lot of the other players had, but just to be able to show up and and have that passion and drive to still, to still make it happen. Yeah. 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 Something else. Um, so with every guest that we have on here, we start off with, uh, tell us when and where you got your start in the game. Okay. My start in the game of softball was actually down the road from my house. It was just, a house league and in the little neighborhood of Bridalwood. And yeah, it, it was five pitch at the time. So you pitched to your own team and you had five pitches in order to put the ball in play. And if okay. you didn't, you were out yep. and that, that's where it all started. Right on. So how was the, uh, how was the competition growing up? Like the minor ball system there? It was, you know, after about 10 years old, I think 10 was my first year of rep ball, um, or travel ball, if you will. And 
that that was kind of my first introduction to competitive softball. And after that year, we actually formed our own team with a lot of the folks that had grown up playing in that Bridalwood House League. And we ended up having one of the powerhouse teams of Canada for, we were together for seven years. We won a few national championships and just had, you know, put ourselves in a situation to, be challenged. We came to the U.S. a number of times for for big tournaments, Pony Nationals, uh, different things like that, and and did fairly well. So, um, even though you know having ten percent of the population in Canada compared to the U.S., we were able to both be successful in Canada and come down and, and face good competition and be successful in the U.S. Well, seven years. Yes. Yes. The core of us, we were together for seven years. Wow. That's well, geez, no wonder, no wonder you can get so good. Like, I mean, together, if you know, you get together for two or three years and you, you know, you form a chemistry and everything, but geez, seven years. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So, uh, I know you like you're, you're into, you were into hockey too, growing up. Were, were there ever, uh, any overlaps with the hockey or were you able to like keep them separate? Oh, there were overlaps all the time. You know, for softball, we basically would get the month of December off and then we'd start back into practices in January. And so I would go to, you know, if it was the first half hour of softball or hour, whatever I could fit in and then be changing in the car on the way to hockey practice or game or whatever it was and just, you know, try to juggle as best I could and get the best out of, uh, both situations, but I just, I cannot state enough the importance in my opinion of playing more than one sport. And I think that the, there's so much pressure these days for kids to specialize in one sport so early. Mm -hmm. And I just think back to when I'd be in the heart of, of a season and it would start winding down and I would get so excited for the next season. And I would just be fresh and ready to go and ready to attack it. And, uh, you know, it's hard, it's hard to not see that in the youth these days because they're doing the same thing day in and day out year round. Yeah. And it's funny. You just answered my next question. My, my next question was thoughts on multi-sports athletes, yay or nay. And (laughs) you just answer it. And I couldn't agree more. I like, I can distinctly remember, you know, because of course I played hockey as well. And, you know, hockey would be winding down in, you know, March, April. And, and I'd be thinking, oh, okay, get start ball up here soon. And then it was the same thing with ball. Ball would be ending, you know, September and be like, oh, here comes hockey. And I think that like benefited me big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just the small differences in the games and just uh, training, you know, as a general athlete and having even something as simple as, leading uh, a teammate to a base with a throw, you know, I gained Mm -hmm. the ability to do that because of hockey, because of leading a teammate with a pass. And so there's so many different small overlaps from one game to another that will just enhance the other sport. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So what led to the decision to attend Williams college? I know like I, I listened to the twos talk podcast, of course, but uh, it, it was it was ice hockey. I'm saying ice hockey. Listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) It was hockey initially, was it not? Yeah. So hockey was my one love for, for most of my life and low key when people still ask which sport I enjoy playing more, it's, it's hockey, but it, you know, the opportunity 
came in softball post post college and I love sports so much. So it's not like I don't love softball, but there's just something about the game of hockey. And, you know, I haven't been on the ice in about three years now, and I cannot wait till the day that I strap those skates back on and and get out there. There's just something about feeling the the wind in your hair and Mm. on a fresh sheet of ice. There's nothing like it. Oh, it's amazing. So how did, how were you able to juggle the two when you were, when you were there? I... I'm a very in the moment person. And so whichever season I was in, I was fully invested in that season. And my teammates on the other team understood that and knew that. And, you know, if I got to attend a meeting or uh, whatever it was when I was in a different season, that would be great. And if I didn't, they would know that I was working hard at my other craft. Um, and, And Williams for me was, it checked all the boxes. And when I was getting ready to go to school or thinking about going to school, I had my absolutes. And for me, it was to play hockey, to play softball and to get a good education. And Williams was the first school that came along that checked all of those boxes. And when I went on campus for my visit, it was just, it felt right. It was a good fit. I loved the people. I loved the atmosphere. And so there, there was no question for me that it was the right place. Right on. Now I, when I do, when I do these podcasts, I go into a pretty good like research pattern, which I do. Now I looked up Williams college and I came across a few things actually. First of all, I want to know, do you know what an EF is? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. Okay. So the founder of Williams was Ephraim Williams. Yes. Good. Yes. And so there were some stipulations with regard to him, you know, donating all his money to start this school. And a lot of it had to do with just the naming of things. And so I believe it was the student body that voted on a mascot, which I don't know why (laughs) you would pick a purple cow. That's what I was going to ask. Where the hell did a purple cow come from? Yeah, there are are many rumors. I'm not sure which one is true, but uh, the most convincing story I've heard is that there was a a student paper called the purple cow. And so that's kind of where it stemmed from. And just going along with the, the theory of school being named Williams in Williamstown, it it just made sense to then also name the mascot after Ephraim Williams. Okay. I guess that makes sense. So skiing and squash must be pretty big. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, we do have at Williams very successful skiing and squash programs. I believe both of those programs um, compete against a lot of division one schools and and do pretty well. Yeah. I, I, See, I come across that too. I was like, huh, they compete at division one. That's pretty impressive. Now, you do your research. I, I, and you, the other thing I come across was uh, when I, I was going through the alumni, I was like, holy cow, Aaron Burnett from CNN <laughs> yes. went there and George Steinbrenner. Yes. I was like, what? George Steinbrenner? <laughs> that's from Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, yes. There there are a lot of of pretty successful individuals who have come out of Williams and, and it's just the, the alumni association in itself is, is an amazing part of, of being a student there. And so, you know, not, not just enjoying the time you have on campus, but then post-graduation, there's so much connection, there's so much community. And, uh, that's, that's another amazing thing that 
that I, you know, had no idea yeah. when, when Williams came in, into my life that, that there'd be all those benefits. Right on. So, well, tell us about your time there. How much did it prepare you for, you know, how you are as, as the person you are today? I would say it had a huge, it played a huge role in preparing me for post college because I continued to juggle multiple things, you know, Mm. with coaching both hockey and softball and then trying out for the national team right after graduation, you know, unfortunately didn't make it at that time. But so I was training full time with the hopes and dreams of making it in 2010. And so juggling coaching two programs and training, uh, to, in order to fulfill my dream, it, it was basically like I was still living this a similar life to when I was in college and, right. you know, balancing those, those two teams. And instead of my studies, it was then uh, working on my craft as a softball player. So I, I would say it, it prepared me immensely. And even looking forward a few years from there, you know, coaching two programs at, you know, I'd moved on to a different school, but coaching two programs, uh, training full time and then working on my master's online as well. And had I not had that insanely crazy, busy experience at Williams, I don't know. I'd been, I would have been able to handle that. Right on. That's cool. So I need to know how intense was the rivalry with Amherst college? Oh my goodness. Don't even bring up their name. (laughs) No, it's a, it's a pretty special rivalry that dates back. I can't remember the exact year, but the president of Williams college decided, you know, this school's not going to make it. They took the story goes, they took half the, the library books. They took half the professors and they went over the mountain and started a new college and which turned into Amherst college. And so 1859, I I just looked it up. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. 1859. Yes. Wow. So it is a very deeply rooted rivalry. Wow. I can only imagine. Like, it's one thing, you know, to be on the ball field, but when you were playing hockey, that must have been crazy. Yes, it was. I remember one of my most memorable games. I don't even know if we won or lost, but I just remember I was feeling way under the weather and wasn't even sure I'd be able to play. And it was one of my best games because it was against Amherst. And, you know, regardless of how much you have in the tank, when you're playing a team like that, you just find a whole nother level. You didn't even know you had true Canadian hockey player right there. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess I have to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I just have to share one story about the Williams Amherst rivalry. Um, there, there was a time that Amherst students came over to campus and they spray painted a huge A on the football field at Williams. And so (laughs) Williams students went back, snuck in the, in the nighttime over to Amherst and spray painted a B minus on their field. Okay. I feel like that's a rom-com movie, (laughs) (laughs) but awesome at the same time. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh, wow. Actually, what was my, I was, I was, I had a question I was going to ask you and that just threw me right off. (laughs) Sorry about that. That's okay. Oh, what was it? Oh, well, maybe I'll think about it in a second here, but, uh, anyway, I'm going to jump onto the Canadian national team. Um, now, I know you touched on this with, you know, Tosh, Dino and Donnie on Two's Talk, but I laughed at the story when I heard about how it, you ended up 
on Team Canada's radar and the role your parents played. Do you mind sharing that story again? (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind at all. I 100% give all the credit to my parents. I was getting ready to graduate from Williams and I, you know, was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life and, and wasn't, uh, set on the fact that softball would be a big part of my life regarding a playing career post-college. And I'm on the phone with my, my parents and they said, okay, so we signed you up for a, a, a tryout. It's an open tryout for team Canada. I said, sorry, you did what? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we signed you up. So we're, we're going to go. And it was out in BC. And so, you know, I, I wasn't all about it. I was unsure, nervous. Mm, And my, my mom lovingly flew out there with me and I attended the tryout. And despite my nerves, somehow coach Smith still thought that there was something potentially in me. So he invited me to the final camp and got the chance to go over to Vancouver Island and give it a go again scared out of my pants, shaken in my boots. And I I definitely didn't perform to the level that I was capable of. And so we came back over to the mainland and they actually, in in that day, they had phone calls to your hotel room starting at 7am for you to come meet with the coaches to learn your fate. And so that whole night I did not sleep. And, uh, unfortunately got that call, you know, just after seven to, to talk about my situation. And I, you know, was handed a plane ticket home and, and just asked about the different things I could do over the next year in order to come back and make a case for myself and just put my head down and worked my butt off for the next 12 months and, and made it the next year. But it was just amazing, you know, in a two week span going from, I can't believe my parents are making me do this. And I don't, I don't think I deserve deserve to be here. And then uh, two weeks later being devastated and feeling like I know that I can perform at this level and, and I have the potential in me and, and just having that fire lit. It it was an unreal experience. Oh, imagine that. Like, you know, I can only imagine going there and thinking, you know, do I even belong here? And then, then walking away thinking, I definitely belong here. Like that must be a fantastic feeling. Absolutely. Now, how special was it getting the call the next year, you know, that your name to the team? I can't even describe that feeling in words. It, it was just such, such a cool moment after the hard work that had been put in, you know, over that last year, my coach would, allow me to show up to the field early. She'd hit me ground balls. She'd let me jump into practices, get base running reads. She'd hit me fly balls, ground balls, throw me front toss. Uh, some of the pitchers on the team would, would throw to me so that I could get, you know, every kind of rep in that, that you can think of and spend, you know, all the hours in the weight room and worked with the track and field coach on my sprinting form. And it was just, you know, to, to be worth it at the end of that year and, and be able to, to jump into the, the team and, and just grow on a daily basis from there on out. It, it just, it, yeah, it was a pretty special moment for me. Right on. So your first world competition was the 2010 WBSC world championships in Caracas. Uh, you capture bronze medal. What do you recall? Yes. What do you recall about that event? 
I recall the, just the feeling of, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that I'm here and just <laughs> soaking it up and, and being so in the moment, so invested one pitch to the next. And, you know, my role was smaller at that time and it was a new role for me. And, but I was just happy to be there and I was invested in whatever the team needed in, you know, each moment, each day. And so just pure joy, you know, coming Mm. out of that tournament with, with a medal and, and, you know, looking back now, that was the beginning of this, this career. And so it's, it's a pretty special moment. Right on. So when, when you guys were there, were you guys able to like to, to, you know, tour around and, and, you know, see, see, you know, the landscape there? Uh, not much. So at that time there was, there were some pretty big scares with regard to tourists. Okay. And so, yeah, we had, um, police officers on motorcycles that would surround our bus on the way to and from the the field. And so it, it was very much a, you know, hotel to the field kind of situation. So not, not much, uh, sightseeing for us. Okay. Now I, I, you know, I, I always wonder about that, you know, when, when teams are, you know, down South America or, or, you know, abroad from North America, essentially, except for, you know, like Europe or we know what it's like over there. I just always want to, you know, what the, what the culture is like, you know, what, what it's like everyday living over there. That's it's just something that interests me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, let's jump to uh, 2015 Epic Pan Am Games gold medal win against the U.S. Now, you know, I've, I've talked about the win a lot on here, you know, with other members of your team, but I, I, I like getting the uh, personal perspective on it. How awesome was that for you? That was unreal. I'll just tell you a short story. The night before that gold medal game, I was actually roommates with Jenna. So full circle as we're roommates right now. And we were in the village, lights were out. We hadn't said a word for probably 20 minutes. And, you know, in the darkness, I didn't even know if she was awake. And all of a sudden, I it just came over me. I said, hey, Jenna. She said, yes. I said, we're going to win tomorrow. She's like, I know. And then no other words were spoken. We went to bed, woke up the next morning, had a team breakfast, and it was just, you know, we were, we were in it to win it. We were, we were there, we were present, we were confident and it, everything fell into place and, and what an amazing day. She, I, she told that story on here. <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's that fantastic. Awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've watched that game so many times now and I talked about Sarah pitched unreal on that game. Just unreal. Like, <laughs> She let everything out of the tank and it was just, oh, it was such a good performance. And the fact that, you know, not only that, but the the men's team won gold as well. And and it being in Toronto, was, it was just perfect. Like, you know, all the stars aligning. Yes, 100%. It was like every everything just, we were present, we were in the moment and just everything fell our way. It was, yeah, it, it was a great day. Right on. Now, You've got to travel all over the world for this game. Uh, are there any special places, you know, that stick out, whether it's from an event, their culture, something you've experienced? 
Um, I, you know, I appreciate pretty much everywhere that we have been as a team. I think something that was eye-opening to me was the, the European culture when we were in, um, over in the Netherlands and just the, the outlook that they have on life with regard to a little bit slower pace, you know, a lot of people ride their bikes around and just very, very calm and collected and, and enjoy their, their day to day. So I definitely walked away from that experience, obviously having grown up in Canada and and lived a lot of my adult life in the U S and just a very much, uh, you know, work driven, faster paced life. Mm -hmm. So that, that was a really cool perspective to have. Right on. So what was, uh, like, I know you've been over to Japan, of course. Uh, how was that culture? They are unbelievably welcoming and the, you know, the performances they put on when we get there to welcome us there, the accommodations that they provide and just the, I, I can't even put into words how accepting and, um, and, and welcoming they are. They just, they, they make you feel so special and, um, there, yeah, there's no country that, that does it better. Um, you know, there's a group of people who are, um, who have hosted us for camps and, and I believe we're going back there for, for some training prior to the Olympics. And they, um, they continue to put stuff out on social media about us and just, they're, they're so excited Mm. to have us. And, and it's just, it's hard to describe how welcoming they are and how much they go above and beyond to make us feel at home. Yeah. uh, Well, I remember the, the video that they put out, you know, I think it was after the pandemic hit, of course. And I think it was like introducing every single one of you is like, you would have been there if I'm remembering correctly. I think they like took everybody's flag and, they did. Do you recall this? <laughs> like, yes, yes. Yeah. Like that, them doing that is just, you know, that's fantastic on their part. Yes. And they continue to do little things like that and post it on social media and, and keep taking the time and energy out of their lives to show how excited they are to have us come back. Oh, that's going to be awesome. I, I, I hate that. I shouldn't say hate. I'm glad that you, you, you know, that the Olympics are going to happen and everything, but at the same time, you know, the, the fact that, you know, crowds won't be able to be there except for, you know, I shouldn't say crowds, the like people from away can't come in. I think uh, it sucks that you're not going to get the, like the full on effect that you get, but at the same time <laughs> you're getting the Olympic experience. Exactly. And I think a, a large portion of our team are introverts. And, and I just bring that up because I am specifically mm-hmm. and the, it is extremely disappointing to not have those other aspects, have the big fan base from home, have the Canada house and have the ability to go to all these other events. And then on the flip side, the way I'm choosing to look at it is that now I can focus 100% on softball and on our journey and on our games day to day and have zero other distractions or zero other decisions to make, you know, should, should I go watch that other game? Am I going to be tired tomorrow? If I do, uh, should I go hang out with all these other people or is that going to kind of drain me as an introverted person? So for me, I'm choosing to look at it that way and just will focus 100% 
on our daily task at hand. And it'll probably help the, uh, you know, the team chemistry. I think it'll help, you know, cause you know, you're going to have to be around each other, you know, for the entire time. And I think that can only build the team chemistry, which I think essentially is one of the major parts of winning championships. Absolutely. And we do already have such, such a strong culture within our program. And I oh, think yeah, yeah. that this whole experience has increased that a hundredfold because we've had to be together. We've had to make all these different or follow all these different protocols and do all these different things and, and have such a different experience than it would have been. So I think, I think you're totally right. It has added that whole element of bringing us even closer together. Yeah, for sure. Now I want to jump into the coaching for a bit. Um, what was the thing that drove you into the coaching? You know what? I was getting close to the end of my college career and I just knew that I loved sports and I didn't know of anything else in my life that I had that much passion for. And so I, I approached my softball coach. It was actually on the bus ride to Amherst and <laughs> asked her if there would be a possibility for me to stay around the next year and, and be her assistant coach. And it, it was a good fit. And it turned out that our hockey coach was leaving that summer. And so I had to wait for the new coach to get hired and then had a conversation with her and it seemed like a good fit there too. And so it just kind of fell into place and almost seemed like a natural progression on campus for me to, to move into those roles. And it forced me to grow up pretty fast, you mm -hmm. know, having to, to move from a teammate to now a coaching role with three class years of, of players and pushed me to learn a lot about coaching and just, you know, be, being an adult and uh, no longer being a college student, but in a, a small town um, there where, where Williams is. And, and I just loved it. I, I couldn't get enough of it um, from day one. Right. So I actually wonder like, how is it, I always wondered about, you know, coaches that go from playing with athletes and then having to coach them next year. How, you know, I've never had to do it. I coached junior hockey for seven years and I never had to do that. Thank God. <laughs> but I always wondered, you know, what, what the relationship was like, you know, after you went from teammate to being a coach. Yeah, I think in in unique circumstances, it can work. It was definitely challenging, but I think, thankfully, I had respect. I had the respect of my teammates, mm -hmm. uh, you know, once I was graduating. And, and so that transition was a little bit easier uh, versus if I hadn't had that respect, then I, I feel like it would have been a, a huge struggle to make that transition. And all it took, if I'm being completely honest, you know, the first weekend that the players were going out on the town, I got a text and, and I didn't respond to it. And the next time I saw that individual, I said, you know what, that is not okay. I'm in a new role now. Mm -hmm. And we never had an issue after that, that moment of, um, you know, keeping those two worlds right. separate. Right on. So I was wondering how, how was the, uh, the transition from, you know, going like telling Bucknell that, you know, you're stepping away to do this. And of course they were supportive, of course, but, uh, how was that for you, you know, stepping away from the team? 
That was extremely challenging for me. It was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make in my life. And it, you know, it's the players for me, just having made those personal connections and, and been, you know, in the trenches with them and having been in that role for three years there, uh, I was extremely invested in that program and in those individuals. And so it, it was extremely, extremely challenging for me to step away. But looking, looking back, I, I'd had the dream of being a professional athlete, of being an Olympian since I was, you know, eight years old. And so it, it was a no brainer, although it was a very tough decision, if that makes any sort of sense. Totally, totally makes sense. (laughs) So do you plan on getting back into it after, after the Olympics? I've actually gotten really involved in a company called area scouts and it is a remote position that, that I am in and they have been amazingly wonderful understanding that I'm focused on the Olympics right now and training and that I'll be able to grow my role after the Olympics happen. And so at this point in time, I am anticipating being extremely invested in area scouts and so what what is it (laughs) great great question (laughs) so it is a health-based program for youth athletes uh, you know anywhere from youngsters to to high school uh, looking to get recruited kind of athletes and when you sign up on the platform you get an evaluation that is a movement-based evaluation. So we'll screen for any kind of deficiencies or if there's any pain in any movements. And that is the whole beginning. So those athletes will not jump into training unless they have been through that screening and have essentially passed and, and don't have pain with movements and have, have a good foundation to build on. Uh, once that happens, then the the athlete gets an evaluation with regard to their sport. So area scouts has been growing insanely fast and we're now involved in baseball, softball, uh, volleyball, rugby, lacrosse, adding hockey soon. And, uh, so it's, it's a pretty great, uh, platform. In my opinion, I was sold, you know, after a few minutes of my first conversation with Lance, who is the head of the the company and just one, the fact that it's health-based and two, the fact that it's affordable, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. $97 for an evaluation and it's $20 a month to be on the platform and have access to your evaluators. And, and so wow. I think it's that's, a, a that's great, a great yeah. cost right there. $20 yes. a month. Wow. Yes. Yes. And there are obviously things you can buy into more in-depth things or more advanced coaching. Uh, but just the fact that we can provide such an affordable platform across the board, you know, throughout North America and throughout Canada. And uh, we'll be hiring evaluators all over both countries. So there will be opportunities for players to get high level coaching who haven't had access to that in the past. That's awesome. Well, best of luck in that, that because that sounds, that sounds extraordinary. Thank Uh, you. um, I want to touch on Athletes Unlimited because I rave about that on here all the time. I absolutely loved it. Um, how great was that experience? It 
was indescribable. Honestly, it was so empowering and so unique and so needed in this year of COVID. And yeah, absolutely. I, yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. And just, yeah, it was such an amazing opportunity and came at a perfect time. And, you know, I think I was actually talking to Kat Osterman about this towards the end of the season when we were wrapping things up and just saying, you know, I would never in my life wish a pandemic on the world, but every time I would wish this extra year with regard to softball mm. and just the, not only the training that we got to en enhance our game over this additional year, but just the opportunity to play in that league and feel so empowered to take control over our daily practices, our daily recovery. And it was just such a unique experience being a player led, uh, league and, and yeah, I think it enhanced so many people's games who were, who were in the league and was just an, an amazing start to what I hope is a, an amazing continuing professional league. Now, were you able to use your coaching skills when you were there? <laughs> <laughs> well, a little bit, but I would have had to uh, unfortunately perform way better in order to be a captain to <laughs> kind of take full control yeah. of that. But it, it was still such a, a cool experience to to have that opportunity to kind of own your own experience throughout. Yeah. Well, the whole concept is amazing. Like, you know, having a different cap. Well, I shouldn't say a different cap because if, you know, if you're in the top four every week, then, you know, you get to run a team and, and the whole draft and the point system. I just, you know, it was just such a smart way, you know, to throw out there because now there's a different, different way to look at the game, right? 100%. And I've never had an experience like that where no matter what the score was, you were still so invested in the outcome of every single pitch. Mm. You know, there was a game we were in that was 18 to three. We were losing and we were still so invested in, like I said, every single pitch and just what, what happened each moment of the game. Um, so it, yeah, it was a very unique way to look at the game of softball. And I think is super beneficial going into the, the Olympics and, and being able to, no matter what the situation is in the game, having that ability and having that experience of being in the moment and excited for the next pitch. Absolutely. Now, speaking of Olympics, they're coming up. Anticipation level must be, uh, must be ramping up big time now. Yes, absolutely. We are, I think we're 97 days out from, from first pitch, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, after, especially this year long delay, just the, the excitement around that and, and working hard to, to maintain our mindset of, of today plus today plus today, despite that excitement that we have. Excited to get back to the, uh, Canadian wild. Yes, that'll be fun too, because with the cancellation of the NPF, we all assumed that we would never wear those jerseys again. And so we are ecstatic to to be able to be back in that stadium and another organization that just went above and beyond for us. And and it's it was such a pleasure to play there. We're we're excited to to throw those jerseys back on and and be around that environment again. So how's that schedule working anyway? I mean, I looked at it briefly is it so other other teams are coming there for pretty much the month of may and june yes so may 28th is our first game there we have a three-day 
series against the USSA Pride. And then the following weekend, we have a three-day series against Mexico. Uh, one day off, followed by a three-day series against uh, Florida All-Star Team. And then that following week, we play the Netherlands uh, over four different days. It looks like five games over a span of five days. So we'll, we'll get lots of good competition while we're there. That's awesome. Can't wait to, can't wait to witness that anyway. Um, on to the last thing here on the podcast, little thing we call player association. I'm going to, uh, throw out some names to you and you can say as much or as little about them as you want. Okay. Here we go. First one, Libby Copeland Halpern. Whoa. Um, just a competitor and an amazing student athlete. I would say if there's a definition of student athlete, that is Libby. Plastic surgeon now, isn't she? Yes. Yes. Very, very smart individual. My research. <laughs> <laughs> so impressive. Next is, uh, Sheena Lorick. Wow. Sheena. Um, Sheena was... One of those players, my first, you know, when I first joined the national team that I just kind of gravitated to, she, again, I'll use the word competitor, um, but just such a welcoming presence at the same time as being, you know, a no bullshit, like mm -hmm. we're, we're here, let's put our best foot forward and, uh, let's all do this together. So what, what a great person. Awesome. Uh, next is, uh, Kristen Mueller. <laughs> Oh my goodness. What a gem. Okay. So Kristen was, she was a player for me and then she was an assistant coach with me and, uh, was also a roommate of mine. So when she started coaching with me, uh, she rented a room from, from myself and my wife and, and lived with us for, for a bit. And so I was able to get to know her not only, you know, in that coach player relationship, she was a captain her senior year and then as a coworker and, and human being. And just, I, there are not enough nice words in the world to describe Kristen. Fantastic. Uh, next is, uh, Lauren Hadley. Oh my goodness. Another competitor and also a goofball, like just, <laughs> <laughs> those are the best. Dance. Those are the yes, best. Yes. Just dancing and singing around, you know, before the game, quoting uh movies and and then step on the field and it's it's let's get this done and and compete so uh, just a wonderful person to to coach and and watch her grow on and off the field excellent uh last on the list uh friend of the show current roommate jenna kyra <laughs> <laughs> Jenna. So Jenna and I have known each other since we were, I mean, I might've been 14 years old um, when she first showed up at one of our practices. And it's what an honor to, to grow and play alongside Jenna, just the, the kindest heart that you'll ever find in the game of softball, probably in life. And and just also such a hard worker and always working every single day to master her craft. So I, I feel honored to call her a roommate and friend and teammate. And I'm excited to finish this journey out with her. That's awesome. Well, Joey, I got to uh, thank you for coming on. This has been fantastic. Um, I need to wish you the best of luck, you know, for the rest of the, the training, the games coming up, 
and especially the Olympics, hopefully bring home gold medal to Canada. That would be unreal. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, my goal and what I wake up every single day to do is to fulfill that request that you just made. Awesome. Well, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you get back to, I know there's a few people there and uh, (laughs) let you get back to, uh, you know, enjoying the Florida, Florida sunshine. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and yeah, appreciate, appreciate this podcast. Thank you so much for doing it. All right. Take care, Joey. Thank you. You too. But I don't trust the soul People pulling on my strings like it's a puppet show For anybody I don't know, leave me the fuck alone Cause I ain't comfortable to be in crowds like a buffalo Wait Looking at your picture like what's real or not Too many filters on your face, baby, peel it off Always gotta take a smell of what that dealer brought They say it's skunk marijuana when it's bunk marijuana We don't jump when you wanna, best believe it, leave it They'll break bread with you, then double cross you like Jesus Oh, we used to say don't believe it till you see it But nowadays even seeing it don't guarantee it I don't trust Cause I've been had a couple times, I'ma say it first My ex-girl cheated on me, I was out the door My next girl had to prove that she was out for more weight You talk a lot of game, but we just don't believe you You need to tighten up your lips, baby, do some kegels I ain't your boy, I ain't your friend, you need to tell your people I don't associate